Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Premier League Review Show. It's a show that thinks Def Leppard's drummer has a stronger pair of wrists than David De Gea. On today's pod we're paying homage to a Gundo masterclass and wondering what a Manchester United player has to do to concede a penalty. At this rate, a savage attack with an axe would probably go to VAR. We'll also be trying to answer an impossible question regarding the top four race. To discuss all this and more, I'm joined by two outstanding birds in the form of Tom and Will. Tom, you there? You well, mate? Yeah, I've never been referred to as an outstanding bird before, <laughs> but I but I like it. I like it. It fits nicely. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm here and I'm good to go. Lovely stuff. Will, are you there? Are you uh, happy to be referred to as an outstanding bird? Yes, I'm here, Steve. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a compliment actually. It might be uh, a. Yeah. One of the biggest compliments I've ever had. Uh, but yeah, I'll have to get my best Burton hat on today. <laughs> I, I'm a mediocre bird. I'm an aspiring to be outstanding bird, <laughs> but very much mediocre this season. Um, okay, let's get straight to it. It was a lot to get through of this weekend, starting first and foremost with City. Um, much needed three points. It looked very much like it was going to be a really comfortable afternoon until things took a bit of a surreal turn towards the end. Before we get to that juncture... Um, Tom, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on the lineup? It looked really attacking. Seven changes made. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, an unexpected lineup. I was happy to see Rico Lewis back in the side. Who I thought was fantastic once again. Uh, I think every time I see him play, he looks more and more comfortable, more and more like he belongs within this city setup, which is fantastic for a player of his age and bodes really well for the future. Um, but yeah, it was it was nice to see rotation. Great to see Rodri get a rest, Grealish get a rest. Um, obviously, Stones and Diaz as well. So it was a team that, that there was more than enough there to get the job done, whilst the, the final scoreline maybe was a bit, well, not even debatably, it certainly it was very favourable towards Leeds because I don't think the game was a 2-1 game at all. Um, the lineup got the job done. Um, and yeah, good to see that, that we've got some of those big names getting a rest ahead of, obviously, the big trip to Madrid on Tuesday. Um, Will, a, a running joke in the WhatsApp group is that Calvin Phillips is toast. And um, given the fact that there were so many changes, given the fact that it's against his former club, um, given the fact that basically he's supposed to be a direct backup to Rodri and Rodri was rested, the fact of his absence, is he off in the summer, do you think? Yeah, he'll be off in the summer. He's he's so much toast now. He's burnt toast. It's getting really burnt. It's getting to that stage where you just can't eat it and it's turned into charcoal. I feel um, sorry for the lad. I, do. I know. It's when he came on against West Ham and he was absolutely buzzing on the sideline just to come on for three minutes. And I just thought, oh, God, this is actually quite embarrassing for him now. Bless him. But um, no, yeah, like Tom said, it's good to... Um, it's good to get uh, some of the big names get a rest. Um, I was really glad that Roger was able to sit out. And it's not really a surprise that we saw Gundo in the sixth position. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get on to how outstanding he was. But in regards to Phillips, I think he just... Every time you look at it and think, this has got to be last chance alone. And he's just nowhere to be seen. So, no, I think he will be um, he will be shift, shipped off in the summer. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, you mentioned there about Gundo and how superb he was, so let's get to that. I mean, I saw the stats at half-time, and, you know, I deal with stats all the time with, with a line of work, and I just couldn't believe it. It was basically, I don't have them at hand, but they were essentially what you'd ordinarily see from someone who's been high-performing across 90 minutes. How good was he, Tom? I mean, obviously the two goals, but that aside, he just controlled everything, didn't he? 
Yeah, he's fantastic. He's he's an unbelievable player. Um, I've seen. I think it was Bill Rice trying to trying to talk about how he'd start for any other team in the Premier League, making out that he's maybe not that important to Manchester City, or he's not a, <laughs> he's not a starter, despite the fact he's. I think he's started, or he's he's featured in in virtually every game for City this season in, in some capacity. And yeah, he's fantastic. And obviously, there's a big talk about will he stay, will he go. Talk today is that Barca have allegedly offered him two years and City have only offered him one. I'm not sure what the what the ins and outs of the behind the scenes are, but as far as I'm concerned, if there's any way in which we can convince Gundogan to stay, whether that's offering him two years, if that's what he wants, I don't think that would be the end of the world. For the next 12 months, certainly, we've seen enough from him this season. We saw enough from him, from him on Saturday to suggest that he's still a very valuable player. It's kind of, I, I find it a bit, similar to the Fernandinho situation but it's also very different in that Fernandinho was obviously coming towards the back end of his playing days and or certainly his playing days at the, the top level of football so whereas with Gundogan that's not the case I still see Gundogan as being a player who certainly for at least the next 12 months can can still play a big role for this Pep side and we saw on we saw on Saturday penalty miss aside he, he was the best player on well I'd say him and Rico Lewis were the two best players on the pitch. So, yeah, he was fantastic once again. And, and just that composure he offers you that is he's just so, he's so relaxed on the ball, so calm on the ball. And obviously, he has those leadership qualities as well, being our club captain. So, yeah, mightily important player to see. One who goes under the radar a bit at the moment, but yeah. one who who nonetheless is, is a player that if I'm, if I'm Manchester City, I'm doing everything I can to keep him at the club um, for next season and, and beyond. It's like Stefan said this today, you know, it can't be as simplistic as City only offering one year and Barcelona two. I mean, that might well be one of the main factors, but there has to be more to it than that because you think City would just simply yield and, and offer an extra year, maybe in a half coaching capacity because he's so important to us right now. I don't wish to diminish his performance or indeed Rico Lewis, but it can't be coincidence that our two best players on the pitch played in those roles that they do because Leeds just gave them just, you know, 10 yards uh, every time they, they got the ball. They held back. They didn't uh, press. And it was a case of keeping their shape throughout. Very, very defensive performance. As we came to expect, Will, was that the case? Was Leeds basically as, you know, sticking nine men behind the ball as expected as you know, we anticipated before the game, and if so, did they did they execute it well? Do you think? Uh, I mean, when you look at the scoreline and it and it's and it's only two nil, and then obviously goes to two one at the end, and Leeds were in with a bit of a shout in the last couple of minutes. You look at it and think, surely Leeds have executed it well. It was a good game plan, but it just really wasn't. I mean, you can't you can't give Harlan that amount of chances as he had, and it was unbelievable that he didn't score one. It, the game could have easily been seven or eight nil. So. You argue that Leeds didn't execute it well enough at all. Um, there was just no out ball. Their out ball was to Patrick Bamford all game, and it was—I think it probably reached him about ten, twenty percent of the time. They were clearing the ball out, and there was just no outlet from there. So it was generally just relentless Manchester City attacks for the whole game, and they are extremely lucky that it ended. It ended as close as it did because it could have been a bit of a cricket score either half time or at full time. Um, but yeah, no, it was. It was Really good for Pep to get one up on a manager just as good as him, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, only in terms of knowledge. I mean, he was very clear about that, Big Sam. Only in terms of his depth of footballing knowledge. Well, you know, Big Sam, if he was at City, I think we, we'd have already done the quadruple, wouldn't we? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He, he did say that, didn't he? Did yeah, he said, he said he'd be treble, he'd be challenging for the treble if he was City <laughs> boss, right. I, I, I don't know what he's smoking, but I love that. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've said on the podcast before, but it's pertinent in this instance, so I'll say it again. I interviewed Sam Allardyce over the course of a whole summer for um, a lager company um, <laughs> during the World Cup, and so I interviewed him, I think it was eight times, maybe ten times, and dear God, it was like, he's just had so little interest in football. It, it actually, it, it really mm-hmm. shocked me. I mean, his, his depth of footballing knowledge in that instance was basic to put it lightly um one one particular question i asked him was which players really stood out for you during the group stages and i remember there was a mexican left back who was really playing well and he was the only player he could mention and he'd watched all the games he's just had no interest no interest at all um whereas imagine asking pep Guardiola a question like that after you know 20 games at world cup which players have stood out for you He'd be mentioning the tea ladies and all sorts. <laughs> yeah, it's safe to say that Big Sam won't be featuring on the podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> I, and, and also, I should say as well, um, he, he got paid a great deal of money to do that um, because it was a tie-in with the brand and he had to go yeah. to pubs and all the rest of it. And, and he couldn't wait to finish each interview and getting paid a lot of money to just talk down the phone about football for, what, half an hour? And each time, as soon as we got to about 17, 18 minutes his answers would get noticeably shorter and he'd be like quite, you know, because I'm saying, okay, all right. And he was basically trying to hang up on me. It's like, oh, you, oh my God, man, just... Oh, have some I, decency Have some decency about it and just pretend like you care and, yeah. you know, pretend you have some a bit of interest. Exactly. I, I had a low is. opinion of Sam Aldice before I did these interviews. I had a lower opinion of him after. And I, could, I should say as well, for balance, there's plenty of former United players I've interviewed who I had a low opinion of beforehand who, you know, surprised me. And I thought, okay, fair enough. You've got something about you. And But no, the opposite when it comes to Allardyce. Um, let's get to the penalty Farago, as I've described it, the agenda somewhat pretentiously. Um, I want each of your thoughts on this. I'll start with you, Tom. What did you make of it? Was it the right thing for Haaland to do? Was it a nice thing? Did it, <laughs> did it display team spirit? I think objectively looking at it now, knowing that Gundogan missed, it's what are you doing? And to be fair, at the time, I, I kind of understood the decision to give Gundogan the penalty. He's, he's taken penalties in the past. He's scored a lot of big penalties for City. It's not as if he's he's not known for scoring penalties. He scored one in a bloody Champions League final for Dortmund, for God's sake. The guy knows how to score from the penalty spot. But at the same time, you've just got to get the game won. And when you see Pep, obviously, losing his mind on the touchline, telling Haaland he's got to take it. You can understand the frustration when he then goes and misses. Um, that said, Haaland hadn't had a great day in front of goal. It seemed he couldn't hit a barn door if he tried, which obviously has been seldom seen since he came to City. So, yeah, looking at it now, you're thinking, what are you doing? Just put the ball in the back of the net, even more so when you know that Leeds then go and score 60 seconds later. Um, but as far as, as far as I was concerned at the time, it was a case of, yeah, it's a nice thing to do, but Let's let's just get this game won because two 0 Even though Leeds hadn't had a sniff of of a goal at that point in the game, you just never know. And obviously, it made the final few minutes a bit more uncomfortable than they needed to be. But like I said earlier, I think if if Leeds had managed to take anything from the game, it would have been daylight robbery because there was only one team who were there to win that game on Saturday, and it certainly wasn't Leeds. Uh, Will, what's your take on the penalty? And did. Did a fear creep in when Leeds score, looking back at that penalty decision and think, oh my God, this is just typical City if, if we can see the second there. 
Yeah, I think Tom uh, hit the nail on the head. I really, really wasn't happy. Putting aside the fact that if if Haaland gets 40 goals this season in the Prem, I get a thousand, a thousand pounds. Moving past that, I was not happy with the, with the decision at all. It's one of those, <laughs> you have the best penalty taker. We've been crying out for a, a prolific penalty taker for years, for absolutely donkey's time. And we, we've missed so many big ones and we finally have one now that is a more than competent penalty taker. And he's passing them up. I, I wasn't best pleased by it. I was. I had the exact same opinion when Maris took uh, the one against Sheffield United in the in the FA Cup semi final. It's one of those that if the best penalty takers on the pitch, he should be taking it. Um, and there's been another instance. I think at some point, I think it might have been against Wolves at home or some something silly. Um, but you know, definitely best penalty taker on the pitch has to be taking it. But you have got to. You've got to appreciate the sentiment to give Gundogan his first his first hat trick if he was to have scored it, but no, I was um, when Leeds went down the other end and scored, I was fearing for my life. I thought we're not going to bottle the league like this. This is not going to be the start. You just didn't want you just didn't want that typical City moment just yeah. before the Real Madrid away leg again. You just it would have been a, it would have been a bit of a nightmare. I think it comes down to something me and Tom talk about quite regularly, which is. When it comes to title races, we've been so blessed. You know, we've had obviously the Aguero moment. We also had last season as well, and and that unbelievable seven or eight minutes against Villa, um, and we've had final day successes. You know, kind of against Brighton, against West Ham, and all the rest of it. And you just there's just something in you that you just think it's going to be a payback some mm. at some point down the line. And and then you know, I know I'm getting a bit carried away here in suggesting that a draw to Leeds would have meant you know. We would lose the league. Of course, we could still go on to do so, but that's what it felt like just for a minute or two. It was like, oh, is this going to be that sting in the tail? Is this going to be that horrible? But yeah, we we got over the line. Yeah, I, I, I sorry, sorry, Steve. Yeah. I do my best not to think about the the other side of the coin when it comes to title races because how how it must have felt to be a United fan in twenty twelve or Liverpool fan on the last day of the season last year or the 2018-19 season it would that would be absolute hell and yeah. so I'm really not looking forward to a day that that ever happens so I just you know try not to think about it just let's just move on with um with the successful title run <laughs> exactly fine. can I just ask Will how, how much was your initial stake for uh, I, just, I put a five on it a five. oh man I hope it goes yeah 200 off. to one I hope it comes off for you man uh, well what is it five goals in four games he needs yeah, five goals in four games. I've got a cash out of 180. It went down quite a significant bit when he didn't score against Leeds. So yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not best pleased. But it's still possible. It's still on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too right, and he's capable of doing that in 20 minutes. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then obviously 24 hours later, you know, we've done our part. We've done our bit. Arsenal essentially, it's a must win for them now at, in at St James's Park. Uh, Magpies hit the Woodwick twice in the early stages. Um, had a pen given that was then overturned by VAR. Um, Tom, did you see this instant? Do, for you, was it a spot kick? Did it or did it hit the player's leg as VAR suggested? Thanks for listening to the first fifteen minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our content, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes, and much more, go to ninety three twenty dot com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.